What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Jordan Jensen. I'll be here with you guys alongside my good friend, Joe Blansky. And oh, boy, do we have a great conversation lined up for today. But first, let us introduce ourselves real quick. As I mentioned before, my name is Jordan Jensen. I live in the beautiful but yet freezingly cold southwest Michigan. I just recently graduated from Grand Valley State University with my degree in multimedia journalism. Uh, over the summer, I had an internship with Fox Sports Radio, and it has been my absolute dream for as long as I can remember to be able to talk about and share my passion of sports with all of you. And that's what you can expect from me, not only from this podcast, but from every podcast here on out on StarCast. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm here with Joe. Uh, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. Well, uh, like, like you, obviously, we met up at Grand Valley, um, graduated this past December, right? Had to spend a little extra time there. Uh, shout out Bachelor of Science and not of Arts, right? Because I, I could not I cannot learn a foreign language, but I had to take statistics a few times. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, when we were there, worked uh, student media, did student TV, mm -hmm. did student radio. Uh, we did, you know, I had my own podcast while we were there for like two years with uh, another group of buddies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then over the summer, it spent time doing some written stuff. Um, right now, I'm freelancing with 22nd. Uh, they do a lot of like Southwest uh, suburbs. Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention, too, I'm based out of Chicago. Um, so when I when I talk funny and stuff like that, that's it. Also, just kind of a bit of a, so a sausage head. But see that. <laughs> There we go. All, all everybody else says sausage. I say sausage. So that's that Chicago stuff. But yeah, um, like you, it's like it's. I got that passion for sports, mm -hmm. um, and you know, hopefully, I think that I, I'm able to provide a little bit of entertainment mixed in with some of my opinions. Um, because once I get going, you know, if there's if there's no breaks, if there's no emergency break to pull, I can kind of run away like a truck, and you never know what could happen. So, right, should be and, and that, should yeah. be good. And that's why that's why you should listen to us. You know, we're we're gonna be entertaining to listen to. That's for very very sure. And if you are a big sports fan like we are, basically everyone outside of like Boston will be able to relate to what we're gonna talk about today on some sort of level. Uh, Joe and I got to talking last week about how much of a whack job the Chicago Bulls front office is, and it got me it got me thinking. I know what's going on here is, is bad. I mean, really, really bad. But how does it compare to the other dumpster fire franchises from around the world of sports? So that inspired both of us to create our, not necessarily top five, but the five most dysfunctional sports franchises in all of sports. Uh, so, Joe, how about you start us off? Who's number five or who do you want to start off on your list? Yeah, just just so I don't, because I'm gonna guess that somewhere along the lines we're gonna have some of the same people, right? Mm -hmm. So to start off, hopefully I'm not taking one off of your list, but uh, definitely throughout the National Football League, one of the most dysfunctional franchises and front offices and management would be the Washington Redskins. Don't yeah. know if we could say that. We could say the R words. That's up to you. But the Washington Redskins, I would say take the cake obviously you have um uh dan snyder 
being the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dan Quinn, uh, this past NFL season, was removed from his position of president, right? It's been just mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, unfortunately, too, which it falls into the front office. Excuse me. I don't know what it's called anymore. I don't know if it's still FedEx Field where the Redskins play. Um, but that's one of the worst surfaces in all of professional Oh, sports. it's terrible. FedEx Field yeah. is a disaster. I mean, it. you could argue it single-handedly ruined RG3's career, right? He yes, has that absolutely. breakout rookie year. We're like, wow, this dude's going to be it. Like, the Redskins found their mans. And then the turf was just tearing up the poor guy's knees. And then he was throwing, throwing footballs against trees to himself. And now uh-huh. he's, you know, second, third string in Baltimore, unfortunately. Dan and, Snyder, yeah. uh, over and over, had, you know, players have uh, voiced their, their displeasure and their distrust. Uh, you had the whole Trent Richardson thing where, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was, the medical staff was saying he was fine, but then he would go to independent doctors and they would, you know, say something totally opposite. So he kind of got fed up with some of that. Um, Trent Trent Williams, you mean? Yeah, Trent Richard. Oh, he was yeah. Trent Richardson, yeah, Trent Richardson was, was the washed up running back. back. Yeah. yeah, but but so that's what I'm saying. So that's where I'm going to start my list, right? They've been in in yeah. much like a lot of other franchises where they kind of have been trying to bank off of past successes, right? But they were winning Super Bowls in like the 70s or 80s. I don't even know when the heck, because that would right. when when they were winning Super Bowls a while ago, and a long time the, ago. And the yeah. team was like, okay, cool, good enough, and we're just going to coast. And it's been bad ever since. They, they somehow were lucky enough to, to land Ron Rivera. Um, yeah, who yeah I don't, for I don't, real. Who had gotten the shaft a little bit in, in Carolina. But, well, so maybe Washington's on the path to right step, right? They, they removed um, Dan Quinn uh, out, of, out of his you know, managerial position. They were able to snag somebody like Ron Rivera. So who knows? Maybe this right. uh, Redskins team will turn it around. But for right now, they start my list uh, as as one of the most dysfunctional franchises in professional sports. And and how about the fact that the past couple of years they've had guys on their staff like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, and and let them they they got out of there right? <laughs> they yep. somehow got out of there, and look at how great they are now. And and. And they were stuck with Jay Gruden the whole time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hell, even the, even that they couldn't do anything with Mike Shanahan, right? Yeah. Like when yeah. he was when he was their HC for for a while, right? And, and even then, they you have a coach who, who proves he can win, but mm-hmm. they could never put a roster together to to have that success that you would expect a Mike Shanahan to have, right? Exactly. And and then the crazy thing too is like where they direct their money, right? Like they just picked up. And it's unfortunate too, because I really like him. But poor Darius Geis just keeps getting hurt. So I then they know. had a. So then they extend Adrian Peterson, who is is still proven, but right, like he's an aging running back, and that's aging. who you're. Ob- he's thirty four years old. Okay, yeah, old, <laughs> old. But old. it's like, and that's going to be your, you know, your option, your number one. So even there's questionable things there, but you know, let, let Let's see how bad this front office if Chase Young doesn't end up in Washington. Oh, we'll put it oh, that God. way because I think most people would argue that Chase Young is a lock at number two, but there's a way somehow the Redskins screw that up, right? So we'll see. Well, I think the only way the Redskins screw that up, and I don't want to get too off topic here, but I think the only way they screw that up is if they 
trade out of that pick? Because I think if if they were to draft, let's say Tua, and trade Dwayne Haskins, that's kind. That's very risky, obviously. But I think it's you can make the case for it at at the very least. Uh, but yeah, I think the only way they could really screw it up is if they don't get Tua and they don't get Chase Young and they trade back for whatever reason. But um, yeah, yeah, like or or they'll end up like moving down or something, and they'll yep. take someone who you would expect to still be six. Like we'll say like a Derek Brown, right? Like nose tackle right. out of Auburn. But because he ended up in D.C., he's, his career, he's going to be considered a bust. Exactly. And number, number five on my list, I'm also staying in the NFL. Uh, the New York Jets, they yep, just, pretty good. they have, I feel like they've never had a sense of direction. And even no. when they were good with Rex Ryan those two years, they, uh, it was an absolute circus the entire season. Um, but as of late, I mean, they first of all, they hired Adam Gase to be their head coach after they drafted Sam Darnold, their quarterback of the future. Well, and Adam Gase, Adam Gase really has no, no, no track record of being this quarterback whisperer. Just because he coached Peyton Manning doesn't mean he's a great coach. Um, and so they hired Adam Gase to groom this young QB. And then they fired the GM after free agency and after the draft. Um, and then they gave the keys to Adam Gase, who hadn't even coached with the team yet and has had a losing record as a head coach and has no has shown no capability to be able to not even be a head coach, but to be a, to be the GM too. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I think a lot of teams make that mistake too, where they'll do that head, they'll have a head coach and then they give them GM responsibilities. Right. right. You know, like the only situation where that's proven to be effective is, you know, as much as people hate to talk about them, but it is New England, right? Yep, like that's it. Because because um, who else? Um, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is a coach GM combo somehow. And what what on earth have the Texans done besides make it to a wild card round and then right. lose? Right? Maybe they advance. I can't. I can't believe. That's a whole other, uh, I guess, tangent or rabbit hole we can go down that I'll try to avoid. But I'll be honest with you, I still don't even understand how on earth Bill O'Brien still has a job, right? Like, he was supposed to be this, like, hot thing coming out of Penn State. Oh, he worked with Tom Brady and, you know, and, and Bill. He'll, he'll know what to do. Right. I, I never really was a big fan of him while he was at Penn State. And then, for whatever reason, the Texans decide that he's the guy. They right. throw him a ton of money. And then they make him GM on top of it. Like, right. So, yeah, a lot of the times it's proven that the coach GM type deal doesn't work. I mean, hell, even with with basketball, we kind of seen Doc Rivers, uh, I believe, is a GM as well on top of a coach. And it it just doesn't when you when you cloud coaches responsibilities, right, like to be a head coach at, at any level or any league, I guess you're already basically being a like general manager, right? Like mm-hmm. you have your minions, you have your staff, they work for you, you figure it out. But one, then you're going to include actual GM responsibilities too. Right. It, it's going to get in the way and, and it's not going to work. I could see we're maybe thinking giving a head coach extra, you know, control or power about the yeah. roster. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I could, I could see a one would think, okay, hopefully this can result in something good. Oftentimes it doesn't because let's right. be honest. Business people are business people, and football guys are football guys, right? 
Like it's just never it's just never gonna work that way. Right. But and in the case with the Texans, Bill O'Brien was at least there for a couple of years and showed some sign of success. Adam Gase just got here and he looked like he was on crack during his yep. his his interview with the media the opening to get the job. Guys. Yeah. And then and then it, it it doesn't make any sense how the owner can let Mike Mackigan spend over $191 million that offseason on Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Jameson Crowder, and Henry Anderson, and then fire him right afterwards. It, and, it, and, uh, and then after they fired him, and then there were all the trade rumors about trading Le'Veon Bell. Yep. They just signed this huge deal, and he hasn't even played a game yet. hasn't even been to training camp yet, and you're already talking about trading him. It was just an absolute circus. And the season hasn't even – training camp didn't even start yet, and it was a circus. It just – it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Cool, cool. So that's your that's, – that's, you can go with your first one? What's that? I said, so that's that's your first. That's yep, gonna be your that's first. That's my pick. number five. That's my number five. Cool. So then my number four, and again, this is no particular order. Not that that matters, but these are, you know, we like we had said already. But my number four, um, staying in the great state of New York, um, going a little bit upstate, but I'm gonna go with the New York Mets is another dysfunctional professional front office. Um <laughs> that's one of the things where the heck do I begin right you know if you if you follow sports you're aware but it's like you know pretend someone who doesn't follow sports is like you have to explain the incompetence of the Mets Poof, where to begin well first right. of all Wilpon is is just is just a bad bad owner right uh the way that they've tried to build that roster they proved that it kind of doesn't work right where they would build they had this killer starting rotation but it only got them so far, right? Obviously, um, you know, they make it to the World Series in 15, but they got there and they got pretty much manhandled by the Royals. Like, it just didn't mm-hmm. work. So how they put that together, the dysfunction with the Wilpons, then the, you know, then the hiring of Carlos Beltran as your next manager, then him being mixed up with mm-hmm. all this Astro stuff and having to fire him, right, before he even takes the field for spring training and then thinking that they were going to sell the team uh, that billionaire Cohen, um, and the what the heck was his name? Something Cohen, but that billionaire who was supposed to buy them, but then the ML, but then he pulled out, right? So like, there's still a small chance that he still does buy them and take them over, but it's just been dysfunction over dysfunction. Whether it be bad managers giving players bad contracts, right? Signing players who never should have been signed in the first place, right? Um, Yoannis Cespedes, he, he, they threw him all this money, and he never turned into what they thought he was going to. So I got to say the Mets probably, like, they're, they're good for starting off hot, right? They'll start the season, and they'll, they'll go, like, they'll win, like, 20 out of 30 games. They'll just start red hot, and then, and then it, just, it just goes downhill fast. And then they're battling, and they're barely making it in for a wild card spot. And again, then it's... Just dysfunction. It's just bad. I feel bad for Mets fans. It's just misery. Um, some some great content to follow if you want. If you you know enjoy others' misery in the Mets' misery is uh, Frank the Tank Fleming. 
Um, he's famous from the from that uh, little news clip a couple years ago, opening day. He was on the news complaining about New Jersey Transit. Um, and then he, well, what is even crazier too is he's got a big sports blog and stuff like that. But Frank the Tank, uh, Clem from Clem Barstool, KFC Barstool. I hate to be plugging just Barstool people, but those are true. <laughs> but those are true Mets fans, and you will just see the misery and the stupidity in fans because we care over dumb shit, right? Like right. if you like Mets fans, if they weren't Mets fans, their lives would probably be infinitely better. But we're mm-hmm. as sports fans, we're just kind of dumb. So exactly, it, you know how they say it gets better before it gets worse, or I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. It's just never going to get better for the for the Mets. It's just going to keep getting worse. And you know they they're they're wasting people in their prime. Obviously, you have uh, uh, Jacob Degrom winning back to back Cy Youngs, posting an ERA, and then you see their record still, right? Like he's got like a mm-hmm. two. A sub two ERA yeah. and the team can't support him, right? And he's still ending up the season with like a 500 record. That's horrible. And he still wins the Cy Young. Like they're just wasting talent. And and, and the then, whole Matt yeah. Harvey thing a couple years ago. Yeah, Matt they Harvey. Him. And then and then even oh shoot, what the heck is what the heck is what's his other name? Another longtime Matt Stephen Wright. Oh, David Wright. David Wright, yeah, even like the yep. handling of the, the the handling of him, he was kind of you know Mister Met. So yep. uh, they 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 kind of round round out uh, number four for me because, like I said, they're just bad. And um, while I'm sure our favorite baseball team will make it on this list at some point, I can just say I'm glad that it's not as bad as with the Mets. At least the front office of the baseball team that we're a fan of kind of has some direction, right? And you know makes an effort to kind of maybe do the right thing. The Mets take the right thing and they do the exact opposite. Exactly. Oh, aging player, let's give him a big contract with a ton of money and put ourselves in a log jam. So Mets, no bueno. So right now I got Redskins and Mets staying on the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, you you can't go wrong with the Mets. I mean, I, I feel bad. We are three teams in and we have two New York teams in already and i think we probably have more new york teams on the list too so i mean i feel kind of bad but ah who cares uh number four on my list and it's gonna seem kind of weird because they just won a championship not too long ago but the cleveland cavaliers yep are a shit show that's a good one the it has been uh, a little over a year and a half since LeBron left, and they have four different head coaches. Tyron Liu, um, what's his name? Drew. Drew, I can't remember his name. Drew Beeline, and, then, and now Bickerstaff. They signed John no. Beeline to a five-year contract, and I get it. Beeline wanted out too, but... <laughs> The way they were handling Beeline and not letting him run yeah. his own sets, not letting him draft and get his own free agents, not letting him do the things that made him be a great college coach and high school coach before that is what led to all that. I mean, you sign the guy to five years, let him do what he wants to do. And it, it does it, that didn't make any sense. But the fact that, like, what, what are they trying to accomplish? I mean, they... They fired Tyron Lue like eight games into a season last year. And then they didn't want to give the 
full tag to the other to the replacement and he left because he didn't want to be paid and he didn't want to be stuck in that situation and then you're supposed to bring in beeline this offensive mind and then you don't give him the actual keys to the car it's just what are you actually trying to accomplish you drafted two point guards in the in the lottery the past years Mm -hmm. in colin sexton and uh Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the guy from Vandy that they just drafted? Darius Garland. Yes, Darius Garland. What What are you trying to do? Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. And they got lucky that they drafted that they were in position to draft LeBron in the first place back in 2003, and they ran him into the ground and made him force his own hand and get his way out of there. Got lucky, even more lucky that he came back four years later, and then they ran. They somehow won a championship, and I get it. The front office was better for um, round two of LeBron. They got better pieces around LeBron and yep. supported him better. But they ran into an absolute buzzsaw in the Golden State Warriors. I get it. But they also didn't do enough to keep LeBron there for more than four years. And then, yep. also, they traded Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas, yep. Colin Sexton, and Jay Crowder, and... What's that center's name? Zivic, Zivic or something? Like, yeah. Like, but nonetheless, <laughs> the old, the only person still there is Garland, right? Like Isaiah Thomas left, obviously. Yep. Well, and then even two then for Boston. I mean, that's a separate issue. But then Kyrie even left then Boston. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like Dan Gil. Like they went all in, basically to win a championship at all costs. And I feel like they had to have known that like this kind of downfall was gonna happen, right? Like they. Again, that's like the, an instance of they went all in. They had run into the Warriors a couple of times. It wasn't working. They go all in. They win. But then they destroyed themselves, too. And, and, and Dan Gilbert, I don't think, is a very good owner uh, no. either as well. Um, but unfortunately, he's obviously got his hand quite a bit. He's a very active owner. Uh-huh. But I think a lot. And then the crazy thing, too, with Beeline is not only did he then step down, but then they're like, oh, yeah, he'll still be here in some capacity. That what? doesn't make sense either because right. I'm, yeah. I'm a big I'm a big Grandpa B fan. Is anybody else right? Like oh, he definitely kind of was given the short end of the stick. But it's like if somehow a locker room and stuff like that wasn't responding in a coaching capacity, what makes you think that then some of these players right. or something like that would then respect him in like a management level, right? Like so, right. He, it was definitely bad. But yeah, for Cleveland, it's like what on earth you do? And I get that maybe he had lost the locker room at this point, but yeah, you gave him a five year deal. He made it like six months into it. Right. And like, what are you, what what are you doing? Like, and for anyone who knows John Beeline and just how easygoing he is, like if you have a work environment and a, and a system in place that John Beeline himself says, I don't want to be here. Something is wrong with you. I mean, because John Beeline, there, he, he's not. It's not like he's coming in here demanding all these things, and it's him that wants out. Like, if he's not happy, that speaks everything about your organization and how poorly it's run. And he's even like a freaking Ohio native too, ain't he? So, like, you would think for him too. That's like a dream scenario. Everything just so. has to go right, and it didn't. Right, right. like. And for whatever reason, now too, like Kevin Love is still the lone wolf left over right. from again that going all in, which hey man, well, like checks power to him. But like Kevin Love is like, there's just no 
Like it's clear that they're trying to rebuild and they're not competitive. But but, but then you don't. The you, you think they're trying to rebuild, but then they trade for Andre Drummond. Yeah. Like what? What is what? Who who then said that Cleve the situation in Cleveland was worse than the situation in Detroit, which most Detroit <laughs> fans wouldn't believe that. So that's even crazier that Drummond's right. coming in and being like, "Oh, whoa, this is bad." But yeah, that's, that's the that biggest seems... compliment the Pistons have gotten the past five years is that hey, Cleveland's way fucking worse than Detroit. God, yeah, does, like so. Uh, yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> so even that move from Cleveland, like you don't make the move like that unless it was like like you would you would have assumed. That Drummond was going to end up with like a contender, right? You would think like so. he was yeah. gonna, but no, he ends up in Cleveland, and the return wasn't even that good on him. No, or for no. for him, on him, for him, whatever. And and you don't expect a team with the worst record in the league like Cleveland to go out and get one of the biggest names in the market at the trade deadline. That 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 makes no sense whatsoever at all. Uh, just. I I feel like they don't know what they're doing or what they and want. I, and that's that's the the real kicker too. It's like uh you know cont- as we continue on with this list it's like if as knucklehead fans we're able to like see this and, and call you out and point it out like how on earth do the people in position think that they're doing a good job, right? Yeah. Like we don't even we don't even really know what we're talking about and we no, can we can see we we can see what the hell is going on and the errors and stuff that's happening. Like that's what I don't understand is how then these front offices just continue on. It's like how do you not, you know, see that or or, or do something here? And right. I'm, I, under, I, I understand you. You know, if you're in the front office and you're on the business end of a franchise, like you you can't be pressured to listen to the noise. But I got to think it has to kind of influence you a little bit. But you would think again, so. Dan Snyder, Wilpon, um, yep. uh, Gilbert, like evidently they're all just death, right? Because yeah, their and, franchises exactly. continue to go in the same direction and that's down. And I, and I think that is the overarching theme of all the teams on our lists is that bad ownership. Yep. As much as it is the guys who make all of the, the decisions you know, in the front office standpoint, it's the ownership that is the common theme in absolutely all of them. Yep. All right, who's number three on your list? All right, sorry. Just coughing into the mic. Yeah, so my number three. Now, uh, you know, I, I realized that there could be, c- compared to some other teams on this list, it's not as bad, but I'm going with the recent downslide. And I'm going to go with the Chicago Blackhawks as my number three uh, dysfunctional front offices. Okay. Uh, 2010 and 2015, as far as I'm concerned, was all products of the old GM, Dave Talon, um, who was working with Old Man Wurtz. Obviously, the Wurtz has owned the Blackhawks. So as far as I'm concerned, those first two cups were all a result of Dave Talon's work. Stan Bowman stinks as a general manager, mm-hmm. John McDonough stinks as a president. It's all about them. It's a perfect case that we see across so many, um, you know, sport, sport teams and stuff like that. It's like where these people's buddies have job security, even yep. though they're awful at their job, they still somehow continue to have job security. Stan Bowman was given an opportunity because 
his daddy happens to be one of the best coaches in the, in the history of the NHL, right? It was that family name. So you think that he's going to be able to do well. Dumb, dumb stuff. So obviously after the 10 cup, they give Taze and Kane identical 10-year, 100 million contracts. That's fine. You can live with that. But then, and I understand it too, like that's just how it works, right? Like you, 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 you play and you work towards that big contract. But then they give two defensemen in Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook who mm-hmm. are out of their prime, right? Like as far as I'm concerned, their career is kind of on a downward trend. That's just how that works. But to give them gigantic big money contracts with right. in, in hockey terms, averaging seven, eight million a year, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And it puts a team in a the spot. Then nobody wants nobody wants to trade or take on. Um, they did that where they trade away Nicholas Jalmerson to the Coyotes, which was stupid. The team hasn't been the same since. They were able to move him to dump his salary with Phoenix. Uh, they trade away Marion Hosa, which he was already sort of retired at that point. Yeah. Um, but again, just another kind of salary dump. Um, they 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 trade for Artemi Panarin. Oh no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. sorry. Uh, let me reword that. Let me. They trade Brandon Saad after thirteen to the Blues, and then no, I'm sorry, fifteen. Yep, it's been it's been some time, but then. They trade Brandon Saad to the Blue Jackets, and um, and then and then they trade him back. Then they get him back. Uh, you know, Brandon Saad proved that, like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this dude he could be an okay offensive production, but he wasn't what we thought he was going to be. And then they trade for him back, and then they let Artemi walk, which was dumb. And then it's just it's just dumb decision after dumb decision that doesn't really make sense. Uh, one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NHL, and Joel Quinville. They give him the shaft and they fire him, right? A coach like that doesn't get fired, right? He deserves right. better. It's just one of them coaches where it's like, not that they have immunity, but you you just let that contract expire and walk away from him, right? You don't right. fire a coach like that. So it's been bad at a time where they're clearly out of, out of kind of contention and they should have been sellers at the trade deadline that's coming up in a week. Stan is still just sitting on his hands and not doing anything when there's pieces that they could move. And get returned because again, you, you granted there was there was a long, long era of suffering before they had this success. But again, it, it sort of falls into like a Cubs type thing where it's like, well, like you've seen what this team could be, and then now they just continually underachieve. You have one of the best goaltending tandems in the NHL with Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford, and it's being wasted because they mm-hmm. can't they can't. You, the players that they have on offense, but they still can't figure out how to play offense, right? When you have two goaltenders with uh, save percentages both above 93% and you have the record that the Blackhawks do, I mean, la- la- okay, last night's game, going into the third, they were down 3-1. All right, cool. There was like 15 minutes left. It's like there's still a chance for the Blackhawks to get into us. They lost 6-3. What on earth? Like, the blue right. line is horrible. There's no defensive help. Obviously, Seabrook is done for the year. It's, it, it, it's just bad. There's, there's plenty of merchandise out there calling for the, front, the Blackhawks' front office's heads, and, and I'm all here for it because they're running, they're running it into the ground. Granted, again, this ten, they've done a lot, right? Rocky, where it's brought the Blackhawks back to TV and gave them more exposure. Then they started winning, which is obviously good. So they definitely brought more attention to this team. They've done good things for this team, but it, their track record is starting to turn into more harm than good. 
and and there's three more two more months left of the NHL season. Yeah. I I can tell how much it really bothers you. <laughs> I can just I can just tell that it, it cuts you deep being yep. a, being the being the Blackhawks fan you are. Um Yeah. It, it 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 sounds like a lot of similarities from our conversation about the Bulls, to be honest. Yep. It sounds yep. And how ironic that they play in the same place, right? I mean. Yep, dude, and that's what makes me so mad. Like, that's the dumb thing, and and I'm sure the Bulls will make it here at some point. Unfortunately, we just gave that away, but whatever. But, like, that was my thing. It was, like, and while it was a super cynical take, and I, I can live with that, right? As a sports fan, I get cynical. But that's what made me so mad that, like, the All-Star, the NBA All-Star game at the UC was awesome. The fans, the players mm-hmm. loved it. But it was, like, like the fact that that was making – Wirtz and Reinsdorf money and they were laughing all the way to the bank makes me so mad because they do they do split ownership in the stadium I did figure that out that they like it is an actual like 50-50 split between the two franchises in terms of of owning the building so the fact that they were just laughing all the way to the bank oh makes me so mad well I don't I don't want to I don't want to eat I don't want to I don't want it to eat you up any longer so I'm gonna get to my list real quick because I don't I don't want you to be so frustrated. Let's talk about the Lions. How about that? The Lions are the only team to have played every year the Super Bowl era and not ever make it to the Super Bowl. And not only that, they've only had one playoff win. Ever. Ever. Which and is that was wild in nineteen ninety one. Because, again, you look at them rosters. A waste of yep. Barry Sanders, a waste of yep. Calvin Johnson, right. a waste of Matthew Stafford, quite frankly. And right? not only like, a waste, but those guys said, I don't want to be here, and I'd rather retire than be here. I'd rather do nothing at all than play football for your franchise. Like that. <laughs> that I, the two, two of the greatest talents in NFL history walked away early because they didn't want to waste their time in Detroit. Pretty much, like that's that's insane. That and like, that, and then the way the front office then treated Calvin, you know, yeah, by yeah. the way they yeah, giving him the shaft and then asking for all that money back. Where then you seen the opposite, where like when Andrew Luck had retired, the Colts right in a gracious move were like, "Don't worry about it." Like right, we got you right. So it's like yeah, the disrespect to players, the constant carousel of coaches from going zero sixteen. And, and Jim Schwartz to then um, Jim Caldwell, right? Like, just the carousel of coaches and coordinators, and yep. it's never worked. And then the problem is, too, is the, the Lions are, are a victim of this as well. It's where these franchises, it doesn't work, so then they think they need to constantly turn over, but that just makes things worse because then you're never allowing some kind of culture to establish, exactly. right? So when you're constantly having this carousel, you, you, you think you're helping, but you're only making the team in that locker room worse. Right. And what what doesn't make sense is you mentioned Jim Caldwell. Jim Jim Caldwell was the coach for four seasons and had three winning seasons. A winning season for the Lions is like winning the freaking Super Bowl. Like that never happens. And this guy did it three out of four years. And some for some reason, Bob Quinn decided, you know, this isn't good enough for me. This isn't good enough for me because for some reason my standards are higher. So what does he do? He fires Jim Caldwell and he goes and gets his guy from New England, Matt Patricia. And Matt, 
And they've done absolutely nothing since. Not only have they not done anything on the field, they're thinking about trading Darius Slay. They already traded um, Quinn, uh, Diggs, yep. Diggs in the secondary last year. They traded away Golden Tate. It's it's what they, they had a good team when they had Jim Caldwell, and then they, for some reason, just are tearing it down and tearing it down. And they might even be doing the same thing this year. There's, there's rumors about trading Slay and Stafford and drafting Tua. It just it doesn't make any any sense as to what they're doing. It's, and it's been that way for really the entire their entire time in the NFL. And then, and then to like even add fuel to that fire too, it's it's like like I I like um, Matt Patricia, right? But it's like why, for the most part, when the, when the league has clearly kind of gone offensively, why would you then hire a defensive-minded head coach, right? Right. Like so, even even the timing for that didn't seem right. Again, not that Matt Patricia couldn't get it done, right? Like he's obviously right. to a rough start. I like him, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But it's like, yeah, in an in an era where we're seeing offensive football, you're going to bring in a defensive guy? It doesn't make sense. No, I get that that kind of fits, you know, the mold mentality of Detroit and, and right. that whole thing. I, I, I get that, but it just seemed weird to go in that direction in the style of football that, that we're seeing. Not that defense doesn't play an important part, right? Because right. there there is a good amount of balanced teams oh, throughout the NFL, yeah. but we're seeing high-flying, high-powered, kind of more almost spread type of offenses, and they bring in a guy who right. is just gonna is just never gonna blitz. But but doesn't what doesn't make sense even more is that you bring in this defensive guy and your defense is still horrible. Yeah, it's it, it it's even worse well, actually. Like, and some of that is injury though, right? And like, not to make that because every yeah. team goes through it, you know, but. But yeah, you bring in a defensive guy, and you haven't really seen much. And Anything, then, and, really. that, and then the the thing is too is with whatever, whether it be philosophy. But then you see too the lack of ability to close. They had the Chiefs yeah. on the ropes, right? But they they went too quick. They left too much time on the clock, and with his backwards kneecap, Pat Mahomes leads them down fields and beats them. But like you had one of the best, you had the best team, I guess. They won the Super Bowl, so you had the best team. On the ropes, you uh-huh. had them. You had them beat. All you had to yep. do was 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 just close. Don't let them. Don't let them score. Don't let it happen. And they marched down the field like there wasn't even any defense on the field. Right. So it's yeah. You see the make, makeup of the team and what they you think they're trying to do, but it doesn't. It's not working. It and, never unless you know. Never. Yeah. The 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 lot the lines was a good pick there. There is um. Excuse me, throughout my time up in, and I mean, it kind of applies to me too, but up my time in Grand Valley, I would see at Myers, it was like a shirt with the Lombardi or whatever, and it was like the Honolulu blue, and it was like, I want to just, I want one before I die. And even though I'm a Bears fan, there were so many times that I walked past that shirt and was like, I need to buy that. One, because it's <laughs> funny, because it's so true, and unfortunately, it's cloaked in just misery. But again, I feel the same way about the Bears because we talk about, our only Super Bowl that happened 40 years ago, and they're right. still talking about it. Still talking about it, exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I I don't know what it is, if it's a culture thing. I don't think it's necessarily even an ownership thing. 
I don't know what exactly it is with the Lions. I can't pinpoint an exact problem. It's it's like it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's not that they're running coaches out too early unless it's Jim Caldwell. It's not that they have bad talent. It's just they're not getting any results ever. It's, it's honestly really sad. And, and when you do see good teams, actually, when you do see good Lions teams, even, even earlier on this season, they got hosed by the refs. Every time, it seems like they get absolutely hosed. If you remember the Calvin Johnson game against the Bears uh, yep. to open up the season, if you remember the Cowboys game in the playoffs, if yep. you remember the Seahawks game in the playoffs, so I guess there wasn't really a bad call there, not necessarily. But And then there was earlier this year when um, they were competitive. Obviously, they I think it was the week after they blown the game against the Chiefs and they got hosed on Monday Night Football against Green Bay. It, yep. it seems like they are always getting the short end of the straw against the refs. It's just... It, it, and I don't know. I don't know if that's some sort of conspiracy I have where the NFL just has it out against Detroit. But it seems like they always get absolutely torn apart in the worst time possible. And the, th- and the thing is for Detroit, too, it's like, and again, I don't want to talk bad about it because you know, I love the Midwest. But it's like you need to have a competitive team if you're going to want to attract free agents, right? Like Detroit, right. the Detroit area a tough place to live if you're yeah. not winning, right? Right. Because if you have an option as a, you know, obviously a free agent, you'd be like, wow, why would I, sp- why would I go 500 here and spend all my time here? Right. So like that even hurts that end of like the, right. uh, of the business. It's like, then when you're not even competitive, you can't even attract free agents to a situation where again, you, you, you have to be competitive or there has to be something right. attractive to want to get free agents to go to Detroit. And there's absolutely nothing attractive right now, or really nope. ever, ever. Ah, all right, who, who, who's number two? Who do you got? My number two, I'm going to go. Mm, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it since we've already been picking on them. But yeah. I'm going to go with the New York Giants as ah, well. Ah, interesting, interesting, okay. Yep, Gettleman, you know, there's there's all the... I don't want to say controversy there, but it always seems like there's some kind of noise follows him. They hire Ben McAdoo, which was a mistake. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then they hire Pat Shermer, which was a mistake. Yeah. And then, and then they're hiring a freaking wide receiver coach from the Patriots to now be their head coach. Yeah. What? And, and, and who knows? Maybe they seen something. Maybe that kind of jumper transition will, will work. But that's typically not something we see. A position coach getting a head coaching gig. Normally it's a coordinator, somebody who's a bit more involved, but a position coach? That's really like grasping for straws there where yeah. it's like, oh, man, like we better get this dude from New England. Like You're really thirsty for success when you're pulling moves like that. Like You're not even given time. Like you know, Matt Rule, they, I think they might have interviewed him once or twice. Obviously, they ended up losing, losing out on him. But... And then, and then two, you can get, and you you can make the argument, but then taking a running back with the number two overall pick, and again, granted, Saquon is most definitely He's worth a freak. it. Freak, yeah. But that's a ballsy move, right? And then they end up with Dan, Daniel Jones because they had taken, or was that the next draft? I guess that was yeah, the next Sa- draft. Saquon yeah. was already there, so yeah. So then they pass up on what were to be some, you know, 
surefire things, and they bring in Daniel Jones, who uh, the verdict's still out. You know, I'm not going to rush to conclusions on the kid just yet. Right. But, you know, they, they run Tom Coughlin out of town. They, yeah. Uh, again, there, there hasn't been success since they were successful. Right. Right. And, like then, then you have Ben McAdoo doing the stupid shit with Eli. Yeah. Benjamin that, and stuff like that, that was very poorly handled. Yeah. So I, I, I gotta say that the Giants are, are up there. That's that's another one. That's my, what am I on number two? Yeah. The the Giants. You know, the, they go against the other teams on the list. I think the Mar the Maras are really good owners. I think the way they handled Eli specifically is is very. It, 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 you don't see that very often. They, they handled Eli with a lot of respect. I think they're a very respectful owner ownership. Um, and this, I guess it's more of a recency bias, and it's more of a Gettleman maybe than, than the Giants, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like you said, Gettleman has been outside the box, to say the least, on everything he's basically done, like you said, and his coaches. Uh and it keeps progressively getting getting weirder with him. First, he said, I'm not going to trade Odell Beckham. He's going to be here for life. Signs him to a big contract and then ships him out to Cleveland. Yep. And then, you know, the whole Daniel Jones thing. Yeah, it was, you know, draft season. And he's maybe a first-round pick. A lot of people were saying, oh, you know, he's okay. But he should not be a top-ten pick whatsoever. And they drafted number six overall. That was weird, but like we have in Chicago, we have a guy who gets his guy and sticks to that guy no matter what. Yep. Um, and I give it to Gettleman. Actually, Daniel Jones looked a lot better than I think any of us thought. Um, and the whole Saquon thing, like you said, yeah, take a running back at two. It's tough. He is incredible, but that's that's really hard, especially when yep. you have an agent quarterback and three really good quarterbacks on the board at no, at the number two spot. It, it's weird. And then, and then, and then, yeah, the whole judge thing, the, you know, usually you have some sort of a sense of who the head coaching candidates are. And this came way out of left field. This wasn't yep. even someone who wasn't even on candidate rankings. This was someone who no one had ever heard of. Getting the head coaching job, it, it it was very very unorthodox. But what I will say is, after hearing Judge speak at his introductory press conference and seeing the work he has done, I I like him. I don't know if I'd make him to be my head coach after all the inexperience he has, but I like him. I can see why he swept them swept them away in an interview, but. To make him your head coach when there were other guys out there like the enemy and Rule, you Rule wanted the Giants' job. Yep. He was an offensive line coach for the Giants previously. He wanted that job. Obviously, Carolina came at him with like a hundred million dollars, basically. But yep. and I can't blame him for that. But it didn't make any sense whatsoever. He makes a lot of head scratching moves. Um, but like you said, it's weird because they won two Super Bowls. You know, in this, in this, you know, not this decade, but last decade. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, like I said, I wouldn't put the Giants on here. I put Dave Gettleman up there 
if we're talking about specific general managers, I'll put him up there. But yeah, um, number two on my list, and I'm I'm confused because my top two you haven't mentioned either of them yet. Uh oh. So one so one of them you don't even have on. Uh, number two, I've got the New York Knicks. Yeah, they, they are. Their previous four head coaching hirings have not lasted more than two years. They what? Uh, Fizdale only lasted one year plus, right? And they're on their fifth GM since 2011. They gave outrageous contracts to Joakim Noah, Courtney Lee. They traded for D Rose. They signed the Mars Stoudemire. They have. They have had no sense of direction. And the one good thing that has happened to them was drafting Kristaps Porzingis. And what did they do? Hmm. They traded Kristaps Porzingis because, oh, we need to free up cap space because Kevin Durant's coming here and Kyrie Irving's coming here. And we're going to draft Zion. And we're going to be this great team. And what happened? They got Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, and Bobby Portis instead. And they they don't know what they're doing. They think they are the absolute hot shit in the entire world, but yet yep. nobody wants to go play for them. No coach wants to coach for them. No GM wants to take over that team. It's just... And then you I had want the Phil Jackson experiment. Well. Yeah, the Phil Jackson thing, you think, oh, we're going to bring in the greatest head coach. In NBA history, and to he's going to bring GM, us back. To be a to not GM. Even, to not even be a coach. To be in an administrative right. position. Throw him a ton of money. And, ton. And, and Phil Jackson clearly didn't give a shit. Didn't give a fuck about And, they, and then they ran him out of town. Right. You had, you had that, that uh, picture of him riding the friggin' New York subway. Right. For like exactly. six, yeah. six Phil Jackson leaving work taking a subway like what is that now granted that could have been up to him that could have been his choice right. but yeah. how on earth is your friggin this touted NBA legend who's now mysteriously for whatever reason your gm why on earth is he sitting in a freaking subway car right? right like that experiment and then and then you have the whole james dolan charles oakley drama yeah which Obviously, all of the most of the fans, I'm going to say 98% of the fans were on were on Oakley's side, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have an entire fan base basically turned against turned against this front office, and they're just sitting on their hands like a scared chicken. Yeah, and I don't think there is a sports fan base that hates their team's owner more than Knicks fans hate James Dolan. This yep. guy is an absolute. I don't even know the word to describe Knucklehead. Him. He's just, he doesn't, he's so, and he's, he's sensitive. Yep, he, that's he, he, he throws fans out for heckling them. You're the owner of the freaking Knicks. Can you be above it? Can you handle it? The players bro, do. Can... Everyone else does. It comes with a job. Bro, he should, he should pull the Adam Gase when Adam Gase was getting criticism. He was just like, I'm rich. You're not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, it yeah. should be that easy. And James Dolan has Billions of dollars. He owns mm-hmm. the New York Knicks. I mean, ah, uh, yeah. And I, and and this, I don't even. I don't I'm not even sure if it's a front office issue. It's just a Knicks. It's just the whole James organization. Dole. It's the yeah. whole thing. 
And then signing Melo to the, I mean, I get signing Melo. You want to keep him. But you knew Melo wasn't worth that contract. You well, knew yeah, you weren't going to ever win anything kid. with him. He was the hometown kid. And, like, that was even, like, I was, like, looking back. Like, I was playing some old 2Ks. And, like, looking at those Knicks teams with Melo and Amari, that was it for the most part. That was it. You can't win. You can't win with two players going up against five. It doesn't work that way. Right. And, and it's crazy how, yeah, Amari was very washed up before he even got to New York. Mm-hmm. But he was still a good player. I mean, not Amari Stoudemire, but a good player. And we can't, we, we can't name anyone else off those teams. It's like Ronnie Turioff, maybe. Ronnie Turioff, yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Jeremy Lin uh, was there, right? Yep. Yeah. Something, something Carl Landry or something like that? No. There was some kind of Landry. He was, like, hot in the streets. He had, like, a good heater, too. Huh. You remember uh, who I'm talking about? Landry? He was a shooter. Yeah, I feel like his last name was Landry. Oh, no, Landry Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, Washington State, I believe. Yeah. Uh, no, that doesn't sound right. I can't remember where he's from. Anyways, but. But no, yeah, yeah like they had all these like one hit wonders and then it yep. was like, oh, okay. They, right. you know, they maybe somehow would end up like 500 and end up with the eighth seed. But it's like, yeah, you look at these teams and the ways they were constructed. It's just not how it's just you're not going to win a basketball game that way. Right. And then you keep firing your head coach and you're not even giving them time. I mean, they gave Derek Fisher two years. They gave Kurt Rambis two years. They gave they gave, they gave David Fizzle one plus. I mean, it's you, you, you have to build something. You have to give them time. You're not giving them a roster. So give them time. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The Knicks, they make me they make. They make me very happy, actually, how dysfunctional they are. Because, like I said earlier on our other podcast, that if it wasn't for the Knicks, the Bulls would be the biggest laughing stock in the entire world. In the entire yeah. world, they would be. They'd cover up. They'd cover it up. Then uh, may as, we may as well jump into my number one, then. Oh, um, no. St- Don't staying do it. within. No, I'm going to, because we're staying within the sport of basketball in the NBA. My number one is going to be the Chicago Bulls. You kind of foreshadowed it a little number bit. Number one? My number one, yeah. Wow. Okay, why? I mean, I, I, I get it, but why number one? Again, it's a perfect example of these, you know, Reinsdorf obviously owning it, obviously his son kind of running some operations, Michael Reinsdorf, but it's an example of their friends having jobs. Yeah that they're not qualified for, right? And that's the real kicker because, again, Reinsdorf, they got lucky with Jordan, right? They, they, very, very They got lucky. lucky. They hit the nail on the head. They, they you know, made the right decision with, with getting Pippen, being able to uh, trade for Rodman, um, yep. you know, picking up, like, Tony Coop. So, like, the 90s were somehow successful for them, right? But, yep. then, but then, as soon as Jordan leaves, which they give him the shaft as well on the way out, which wasn't, mm-hmm which wasn't right now. Obviously, Jordan had a little bit of controversy surrounding himself, you know, when he would retire and stuff like that, the gambling, whatever you want to say. But regardless, you take somebody like him, he gets the shaft. And then it's like they were like, oh, cool. We had success in the 90s. All right, we're done. And yep. it, it just and, – and even, hell, they got lucky with Derrick Rose. But they it's like they were – Extremely lucky. They, they run Vinny Del Negro out of town. Then we have Fibs, who – yeah, he might have worked his guys hard, and he might have, 
you know, right. friggin' played him an entire 48 minutes, but he wasn't Jim Boylan, right? And, and they right. run him he, out he of town. games, yeah. Thib, Thibs probably gave us the best era of Bulls basketball since Jordan, right? Them, them like oh, early, without a doubt. Them late 2000s, like early 10s when they were in the mix, you know, with LeBron and the Heat, like, and they run him out of town. And then, and then they hire Fred Hoiberg, you know, bringing this guy out of Iowa State. I didn't like that hire to begin with. I didn't think it was going to work. That's obviously true. And then they don't even they don't even interview anyone. They don't even give interviews, and they just give Boylan a shit ton of money and say, "Here you go." Right? Yeah. Who's who's coaching a damn basketball team like it's a football team? Like there's a difference. You can't. Right. Oh man. So it's just the dumb stuff like that. Uh, again, get, giving D Rose the shaft, he shouldn't have left on that terms. Then bringing in somebody like Jabari Parker, trying to you know some kind of cool Chicago reunion, wait, wait. spending him a, giving him a ton of money, not working. But yeah, bringing in an over the hill Dwayne Wade, bringing in an over the hill Rondo to try to win, right? Like, and that's a disappointing thing is like you see some of these rosters from we'll just call them the modern era Bulls, and it's like those teams were full with dogs, right? Like those were dogs, teams yeah. that should have won, and then to even throw salt in the wound. Um, Joakim Noah was on Pardon My Take, and he was like, "Yeah, I feel like if Rose doesn't go down in twelve, like we could have won a championship." Like, so then you hear that, and that hurts. So it's like that kills it, me. It's just, it's just bad from top to bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Just dumb. The dumb, undece- the dumb decisions that were done with the roster, the dumb decisions that were done with with yeah. coaching positions, and and again managerial positions. Like now they're saying they want to reshape kind of the structure of the front office. What it sounds like is Paxson is still going to be GM, but they're going to just hire some little person to take the heat when stuff goes wrong. That's basically what it sounded like, was they were just looking to hire someone to take the heat and talk to the media when right. they screw up, right? So it's, it's just stupid, and the more things change, the more they stay the same. And again, I'm just glad I don't have to root for two Reinsdorf-owned teams because I might kill myself, right? Like, he's just an idiot, and... It's it's just bad. So I got the Bulls as my number one. Obviously, I'm kind of partial with that, but enough's enough. Yeah, I mean, and that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, the fact that they ran Tibbs out of town after okay, maybe you don't agree with some of his philosophies, but you know what? The motherfucker won games, man. And, and then we're not even we're not even a free agent destination. No, the no, Chicago we're not. Bulls, the city of Chicago. All these great things, and and free agents don't want to come here because of the dysfunction and idiotness of the people in charge, right? Like that's ruining. That's the definition of ruining a team when players don't want to come here because exactly. of you, right? Like, Chicago is a destination. There, it's a destination. You you have a chance to play where the goat played, right? That means something right. to these guys. But nobody's gonna come here because they're like, ah, no, we're we good. Right, and they were they were close. They were yep. so close so to getting times. LeBron and Kobe, D Wade, and they LeBron. were close to getting Kobe back in 07. Mellow, I mean, like yeah, Mellow, and and they had to settle for guys like Paul Paul, Paul Gasol, Carlos Boozer, Richard Hamilton. Yep. Uh, it, I get it. People who are well past their prime, yeah. because there was no other options, right? right? Because those were the kind of players that they were attracting. Right, they were, because, you know, yeah. they weren't attracting the high agent, the high octane free agents because they're like, you know what, nah, we're good. Like, 
Right. It's just dumb. You read all of these things that like could have been that almost happened, and you just anger gets worse. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the thing about when they got rid of Tibbs, they had a team that perfectly ref- reflected Tibbs, yep. and then they went and hired a coach who 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 wants to run a certain spread offense. Let's say, and they have no shooters on their team. They they have they have nothing. The the team didn't reflect Hoiberg at all, and then by the time they actually did change the roster to help to help get Hoiberg the most out of it, they fired him, and then they yeah. bring in a guy who basically <laughs> doesn't even know what he's doing. Uh, just yeah, uh, he's like he's like a hard ass, like thinking he's coaching like football or something or like wrestling. High school kids is what it sounds like. Like yeah, and it's nobody like they can't they can't ever close games they. Stupid timeouts at end of games oh, where he claims or, or for development, but it's like, dude, like, what are you doing, man? Just right. end the misery. Like, it's There's not 25 seconds left, and we're down by 20. Don't call a timeout. And it's like, oh, it's for player development. So it, it just seems that the Bulls, anytime they open their mouths, they just make it worse for themselves. No matter right. who that is, no matter who's representing them, whether that be Garpax, whether that right. be Boylan at the podium, they always just put their own foot in their mouth and they just make things worse for themselves time in and time out. And this, and then they're, they're stuck in this rebuild purgatory, right? Because they, they just can't commit to it. So they're going to, they play, they're going to be like 500, get the eighth seed, get out in the first round and end up with like a mid round first pick as opposed to just commit to the rebuild and to get, something in the lottery now granted every time they've had a shot at the lottery it seems like they end up with number seven overall number seven but yep. but you know that's another frustrating thing too is like it seems that like speaking of seven it's like boylan is like halting marking his progression right oh like he's, yeah he's not, like he's not using guys who, who need to be used a specific way and again that's somebody who doesn't coach basketball that's just somebody who's watched you know as a basketball as a fan and i can point these things out so it's like again for for the teams that like just stay stagnant when knuckleheads like us can see something wrong and they're just like "Eh, you know we're good there's just this like complacency because again that's the problem too with all the teams on this list it's like we're knucklehead fans so we're gonna care right but right. the smart thing would be to not care, to hit these billionaires where it hurts and not go to games and stuff like that. But you're just never going to get a state or a city full of people to not care. Like, unfortunately, right. people are going to fill the United Center for Blackhawks games, for mm-hmm. Hawks games. You know, um, maybe the Jets and Giants is kind of thin because they've had a rough go at it. But it's like, ah, oh, man, it's it, it's it's just it's frustrating and stupid. So they're. They're my number one. Again, that's probably a little partial, but I also don't think that it's that far off. Yeah, They're definitely among the top. Oh, oh, most definitely. But as disappointed I am in the Bulls, I'm just as disappointed in you that you don't have the Cleveland Browns on your list. Oh, damn, I, I forgot about that. That's a good one. The that's... Browns are just... They yeah. are the, the, when you look yeah. in the dictionary of this dumpster fire it's the cleveland browns i mean they've gone 17 years without the playoffs they're on their eighth head coach in 12 years on their seventh gm in 12 years their longest tenured coach during that time was hugh jackson who went 2 and 14 and then 0 and 16 
and then got fired halfway through the year. That's their longest tenure head coach, that guy. And not to mention, they fired Bill Belichick way back in the day. They went 0-16 not too long ago. And just when you think things are, things are coming up, they have a good GM. Maybe they have a good coach. Who knows? But they have a good GM, at the very least, who went and got Baker Mayfield, who went and got Odell Beckham, who went and got Jarvis Landry, who reshaped the defense, who did all these things to upgrade the roster from 0-16 to, hey, maybe we can get in the playoffs and maybe fuck around and win the Super Bowl. And then you fired the GM after one bad year. I get it. He, he, I think he hired the wrong head coach. But give him another fucking chance because he built a fucking good roster. And then they just let him go just like that after two years. After all he did to reshape the roster in two years and you just fire him just like that. That yeah. that really frustrated me. And then they had the whole Sashi Brown and they went baseball analytic in the front, in the front office and traded everyone, got all these picks, and none of them fucking worked out. Dude. <sighs> And then, too, I guess you can't forget, I can't believe this in my mind, but any time that you have Condoleezza Rice as a legitimate yep. head coaching candidate for your football team, yeah, that's dysfunction, right? That, like, I don't know nothing no about, sense. like, you know, Condoleezza and her, like, political... I, I, that aside, to think that you're, you're just going to bring this person in off the street and be like, yep, head coach, perfect. That's wild that, like, that was even right. a real possibility that for a good, like, 48-hour news cycle, we were talking about, will Condoleezza Rice be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? That, That's that batshit crazy. That says it all right there. Like, uh, the, you can't yeah, even I'm, say. And all the quarterbacks they've had, they've tried yep, out. The, None of them have worked. The famous, I mean, the famous quarterback jersey where it's people yep. with, like, tape, just they keep adding names. Keep adding to it. it, it it's insane. And, and just when you think they have a good one in Baker Mayfield, he has a bad year. And now you keep changing coaches on him. And now it's like you're doing all these things. You have good players. Just don't fuck it up. And they're that's, fucking it up. Like, I'll Again. be like, that, that's how I felt about, like, Cuddy's like bear tenure it was like they were constantly having different season shit yeah and it's like give this guy a chance right right like i was always one of Cuddy's biggest defenders because again it was like the dude first of all is like the, I, I saw this thing where like people so like obviously we're digressing here now but this is still kind of this is football related but um but like i was like seeing things where like you know people like andy dalton there's possibility that he's done and since he mm-hmm. And he's been linked to Chicago at times. But there was like this tweet. It was like people who like called Dalton trash. It was like listing all this stuff. It was like he would be. This is, I'm sorry. There's a commercial here with a fake Joker. Sorry, that was really distracting. That was wild. But anywho, dude, it was a freaking used car commercial. And they were like recreating the scene from like the Joker, like, you know, with like the suit and like dancing around. Uh, yeah. What does that have to do with uh, used cars? But anyways, um, what was I talking about? That was that was bad. That was unprofessional. I apologize. Andy Dalton. Oh yeah, Andy Dalton. It was like if he if he were to like have played for the Bears during that like since he tenure, he'd be the franchise leader in passing for literally yeah. every single category. Everyone. So it's it's tough. Yeah. Man, oh man, you remember freaking Jake Delhomme was on the Browns? Jake Delhomme. I think he was. Uh, Jeff Francis was, was there a little yeah. bit. He was uh, supposed to be the guy to like turn it around, though, because that, that's yeah. another weird player I was like a big fan of was Jake Delhomme when he was in Carolina. 
Yeah. Him and Jack, uh, John Fox. Yep. He went to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they lost to the Pats, I think. Yep, to Adam Vinatieri. Yep. Yeah, because Julius Peppers was on that team, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, the Browns. Yeah, it's a good I, one. I, I can't, wish I, can't I, wish I could I give them about advice. Them. Speaking of, of not on your list, who, who are some teams you thought about maybe putting on your list where like, eh, I just can't squeeze them in here because competition's too good? Um, well, I guess because it was it, it's apropos, right? It's it's hot in the streets, Houston, right? They're not yeah. in too great of a time over there. Yeah, they got they got some stuff going on. I think um, Tampa. I, I would put Tampa on that list. They've they've historically just been bad, yeah. right? Dirk Cotter, that was a failed experiment. Yep, getting um, Lovey out of there as quick as they did. Yeah, friggin' signing. Anytime you sign Chris Conti. You should automatically make yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that was franchises. Yeah, so that's 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 on me, right? So they should right. have been on there. Um, yeah, you said the Knicks, uh, other basketball. I don't know. Like, do you, would you consider like Sacramento, right? Because yeah, Sacramento. Devox uh, been playing with his yeah. thumbs. It seems like for a decade. Yeah, uh, Sacramento, Phoenix. I thought about too. Uh, they're starting, yeah. I think, to go in the right direction. But they, even when they had great rosters with D'Antoni and Nash and, and Stoudemire, they never reached anything, really. Um, I thought about the Marlins, Miami. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. They um, they don't really seem like they know what they're doing. Baltimore Orioles, they don't, yep, that's uh, they a good don't one. necessarily have a good one either. Um, Dude, you know what's know. crazy? Speaking of the Orioles. Like Chris Davis was like contemplating retirement or whatever because he's just like not good. But granted, Baltimore screwed up by giving him that much money. Yeah, for but real. The dude could be walking away from sixty nine million bucks. Yeah, even like I it's don't crazy. Care. Now, granted, he's been like the worst player in baseball for like yeah. four years. But it's like, geez, dude. So yeah, that's that's a perfect example, I guess, of a bad franchise. It's giving someone who has one hot year and then they throw him a ton of money. Right. Right. And a lot of franchises fall victim to that, but usually yeah. the good ones but usually the good ones don't, right? Like again, right. that that's like with the Blackhawks. Not that uh Seabrook and Keith didn't at that point in their careers didn't deserve those contracts that they had gotten. But again, it was a ton of money. It was for like a top end defensive player who'd be in like their twenties that they were getting paid for. And then it puts the team in a bind, and then no other team wants to trade for him because it's like we don't want to be on the hook for that, right? So yeah, yeah the Mar- Marlins yeah. is a good one. There were a uh, lot of teams that were like, "Man, these guys are awful," but I can't squeeze them on here. I mean, it was it was actually hard to only include five. Honestly, like the Bengals, I could have could have put on here. Yep. Uh, I even thought about I wanted to put the Bulls on here, but I. I didn't think any of them were necessarily as bad as these five. But I feel like all these teams they were mentioning are definitely deserving. They deserve to be on a list. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is a list you don't want to be on, whether it's one or five. If you're on the list, you're awful. You're horrible. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if you're on the list, on the honorable mention. You're all losers, basically, is what I'm trying to say in a very nice way. You suck. Yeah. Yeah. And again, unfortunately, we're called 
fanatics, which that's not something I really ever think about that like fan is like the shortened version of that. That's just a word I don't think about. But again, that basically means we're not rational. So unfortunately, we're going to care about these loser franchises and it's going to continue to make our lives worse. Absolutely. We but we never said we were smart people. No, no, (laughs) we're not. No, I I did not mention that uh, in the intro. I did not say we were smart. We're entertaining. But yeah. Smart? Uh, maybe. Maybe sometimes we can be smart. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff I could bullshit my way through and make you believe I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But a lot of, but a lot of the times I don't, right? Like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. So we're. I'm going to just sit here and continue to root for the Bulls and the Blackhawks, even though their seasons are lost causes. And Right. I yeah. have. That's what I we do. Wait, Way too much merch supporting all those knuckleheads. That's on me. That's what we do. Well, those are our lists. Those are... I, I really don't know who... I like your list. But I don't... I don't think... I don't know. I never would have thought to put the Giants on there. I really wouldn't it, have. Yeah, then, but like for me, like my kind of angle with that was, again, like... Gettleman. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my criteria was like, okay, what, like, what teams have been successful but have been ruined? You know what I'm right. saying, too? So, like, that's kind of why I, I, I put them into my category because, again, they had, they came off an era where they beat one of the most dominant teams in football, right? New England had the chance to become the only second team with a perfect season, with a perfect record, right? Other than like the 70 something Dolphins with Shula. Right. And they beat them. They beat them. Nobody gave them a chance, right? And, well, I mean, that defense was legit, though. But regardless, like, so they go in, they can beat these, this dominant team who's been dominant for the last 20 years, and then all of a sudden now, you know, you're ending up with a number two overall pick, right? New, Engl- New England's right. not having that, you know. Um, so, I don't know. Again, that, that was kind of my thing was, like, have they been ruined? And so that's why I included New York with that. Right. Well, those are our lists. Um, I hope everyone really enjoyed listening to our conversation here. Um, we're going to be putting out as much content as we can. Um, you can find us right now. You can find us really anywhere you get your podcast from. But we will be available on StarCast when it comes out in the next coming months. And we will be doing a lot of continuing to continuing to do a lot of sports talk whether it's list whether it's talking about our chicago teams hyper specific general general sports wide who knows but everything we do put out you will want to listen to i promise you and you will have a very good time listening to us joe you want to add anything yeah i mean and and to you know for anybody listening um you can find me on uh find us on facebook um, that's just, I believe Joe Belansky. I know my Twitter is like J underscore Bisky. You can find me on there too, for any kind of suggestions or improvements or something that, yep. you know, you guys would want to hear. Um, cause you know, talk, talking with, with Noah, I think that's going to be a big part is sort of fan interaction. So we'll continue to make content, but if you're listening, reach out to us and give us suggestions or improvements or something to be better fitted for you. You know, we can't please everybody, but if someone comes up with a reasonable suggestion, we'll take it into consideration. So, uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook, 
with just our, you know, our names, Jordan Jensen, Joe Bolanski, yep. um, or, on tw- or on Twitter. Like I said, I know I'm pretty, I'm more active on Twitter than I am on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I, I find it to be a more entertaining internet. So you can reach out to us there too. Like I said, I believe mine is Joe underscore capital B S K I. Um, I believe is my Twitter handle. If, if not, uh, and you have a hard time finding me, we can come back in the next one. I'd be more prepared and have that for you for sure. That's right. like a weird thing. Like I've had like people ask me for like Twitter handle. Like it's not like a phone number. That's not something I think about like my own thing. Right. Cause you're seeing right. everybody else's. Um, but I, I believe that's mine. So you reach out to me on there and you can see all the goofy shit that I, uh, I tweet, uh, original, mostly just retweets the goofy stuff. Try not to get myself in trouble. So my tweets usually aren't original <laughs> Right. <laughs> too often. Right. Again, it's typically, Typically just retweets. All I have to say is if like a future employer were to look at my Twitter, they would be so confused, right? <laughs> because there'd be some random tweet about like me talking about it, like my dogs, and then I'm retweeting some goofy like Bill's Mafia table slam, and then I'm retweeting like crappy off-brand. It's just like right. random shit I find funny. My, right. my timeline is probably the most confusing thing that any kind of upper management would ever see. You could not get a read from me. They'd be like, what is this knucklehead? Memes and sports. Well, it sounds like a good follow to me. Well, yeah, it's a great it's a great follow. I, I recommend <laughs> it, but it's it's definitely all over the place. Oh, and I haven't done it so much anymore. Maybe I'll start up again. But another big thing was was I would chirp at Floyd Mayweather uh, mm. on a pretty pretty regular basis. Dude, so all right, we're digressing here. But literally, like, every day for, like, three weeks, I would just tag him, and I'd be like, hey, you pay your taxes? Like, after the McGregor <laughs> fight, like, I would just ber- I would just berate the shit out of Floyd and being like, yo, you pay your taxes? Like, one, one, uh, one of my f- f- more favorite ones was like, yo, I know you can't read, so give your phone to somebody. Did you pay your taxes? <laughs> and it was like, all I would have had to have to stop was just to respond. But he never responded, and I just kind of got tired of it, but... So maybe I'll start that up again. I also harass Trump about aliens too. Again, I'm not overly political, but like I'll see him like, you know, tweet out something stupid and I'll like retweet and I'll be like, come on, bro, time's running out. Just tell us about the damn aliens. Because if any president was going to say something about the aliens, it'd have been Trump. So that yeah. makes me kind of think that um, maybe they don't exist, but I'm team alien. We've really digressed here, but it's yeah. okay though. That's okay, though. That's all right. Well, I think aliens and Trump and harassing people on Twitter is about where we should end, I think. I think, that, I think that'll conclude today's episode. Um, so, again, I thank everyone for listening, and we will talk to you later.